Welcome to Homeschool Mama Self-Care. I'm Teresa Wiedrich at CapturingTheCharmLife.com. I'm here to help you turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. If you are a homeschool mama looking for a strategy or a few for your self-care, then this is the podcast for you. I'd like to introduce you to Linda from Homeschooling Fun with Linda. Linda is a veteran homeschool mom and is passionate about helping and encouraging new homeschool families. She's the mom of four, three grown daughters, aged 31, 28, and 27, and a surprise blessing, a son, aged nine. Linda also has two granddaughters, aged six and four. Outside the classroom, Linda is a children's sign language instructor, a fitness instructor, and a semi-new vegan. After her husband's stage three colon cancer diagnosis this past year. She says to take time for you because believe it or not, your family will not fall apart while you do. It's a pleasure to have you here today, Linda, because I have been following you on Instagram for quite some time and you just seem like a kindred spirit. You've got three girls and a boy just like me, and I just feel like there's a lot of commonalities. And I also love your poolside development, um, all the options that you have for poolside development. You're in Florida. I'm in British Columbia. We're right across the continent from each other, but you look like you're having a fun life, just like like your blog, Homeschool Fun with Linda. Aw, thank you. Thank you. We try, especially with uh, COVID. We spend a lot of time in the backyard these days. Yeah. Yeah. Ditto. Outdoor time is the way that we get respite, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> so tell me about your homeschool journey or tell me about your homeschool family. Well, I started out with my older girls. My kids age um, ranges from 30 to nine. And um, we started out, we homeschooled the three girls for a little while, but then um Things were way different back then. I mean, back then we didn't even have internet. So it was much harder, a much harder challenge. So we ended up just letting them join the public school system um, in late elementary school. And uh, one ended up skipping a grade. They were all put in the gifted classes, advanced classes after, you know, being homeschooled. And then I wanted to try it again with my son, um, who was diagnosed as gifted. And we actually started preschool at three, just as a trial thing. He was reading at three. So I said, well, you know, let's go ahead and try. He was going to miss the cutoff date in the United States by just a couple days. So he hated to hold him back a whole nother year for those few days that he would have missed it. So we said, let's just try it. And we tried it and it went remarkably well. And we just kept on going. And here we are seven years later, still homeschooling and we've loved every minute of it. So tell me about the name of your uh, website or blog, Homeschooling Fun with Linda. How did, how did that originate or where did that come from? Well, it started out, I actually was a sign language instructor and I used to hold classes and I had a mommy and me class I taught and a preschool class I did from my home kind of at the same time as I was teaching him. And I really wanted to be fun centered, um, a lot of hands-on activity, a lot of um, sensory bends and just getting out and exploring. I'm a real proponent of keeping it fun as much as you can. Learning should be fun. And especially when they're really young, you know, preschool, kindergarten, I want to get out and explore and learn through trial and error and through just playing games like um, scavenger hunts, you know, looking for colors and shapes and numbers as we go on our walk and counting sticks and acorns as we walk. So it really just derived from really believing that learning should be fun as much as possible, all the way up to, you know, he's now in fifth grade and, um, the sticker game for spelling, you know, if he gets it correct, he gets a sticker on my face, you know, or if he gets correct, he gets rip it off, if he gets wrong, you know, so we play these fun games, bouncing a ball for spelling. And so I just, our, our world kind of revolves around having as much fun as we can. So that's where the name that's came great. from. That really is great. I wish that I had figured that out earlier. It took me a long time to realize that you gotta. You have to have that infusion of fun. Otherwise, it's not just the kids that get bored. We get absolutely, bored <laughs> absolutely. You'll lose your mind too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds just like me. Yeah, all sorts yep. of different ways to lose your mind as a homeschool yep. mom. So. 
Or drink in the classroom with wine at 11 a.m., you know. <laughs> <laughs> your sign that you may have a challenge on your hands. Is Absolutely. You might be doing something wrong if you're drinking classroom. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I hear you. Actually, our last podcast interviewer has a, a very active Facebook page called homeschool moms drinking wine and it was an overnight oh, success <laughs> that's funny that's funny yeah yep I can see why <laughs> so tell me what kinds of things you do for fun well I'm a fitness instructor I teach a couple classes at my church of course during COVID that's been shut down but um, I love to be outdoor as, as much as possible I love decorating and crafts and um, just trying to explore my side until a fun outside of the classroom because, you know, so many times as moms, we, we forget that do things just for us. So I try to do as much things outside active to keep my endorphins going and to keep, you know, in shape and, and self-care and things that bring me joy. Yeah, I got to say that I think I grew up with a similar scenario that a lot of our culture probably has that women were always encouraged to have a certain shape, a certain size, a certain image. And because of that, I kind of, I wanted to retaliate. I think I wanted to resist that. And because I resisted that, I didn't take care of my diet or my, um, like my nutrition or my exercise needs. And then at a certain point where I was listening to Dr. Daniel Amen, he's a brain doctor. Oh, yes. Yeah. And he had said that you really just need to take care of your brain health. And it clicked. It, it Something switched in me that I decided this wasn't about my image. This wasn't about me trying to be something that I'm not or trying to feel better than others or better than myself or a certain size or the ability to walk down a runway. But it was about whether or not I felt healthy and whether I felt good. And then everything switched. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I've battled weight my entire life and I'm actually vegan and I've learned as a vegan that I tend to gain maybe a little bit more weight because I'm, I eat more carbs. Um, I did the whole low carb thing for many years and I stayed very thin, but I wasn't very healthy. So I've given up on being skinny, healthy and being nutritionally healthy. So once you focus on that, it really is not about size. I'm a little chunky right now, but you know what? Cardiovascularly, I'm fit. I can still run a 5K easy. You know, I'm, I'm getting all the nutrients my body needs. And that's really what I'm concentrating on. Believe me, I fell into that trap too of needing to be a certain size, looking a certain way. You know, my mother had me in beauty pageants when I was little. So that was really on me. In the back of my head, it was all about looks. But once you release that and learn that it is really is more about how you feel, that you're not winded when you climb upstairs, you know, and that will go so much farther, take the stress off you when it comes to self-care and your looks and your health and just worry about feeding your body the nutrition that it needs. And that's all it comes down to, really. That's pretty wild that you say that because that was actually a certain moment that I had. I was, I had my youngest. Um, so this is about 10 years ago. I had my youngest, a baby. I was walking up the stairs, just a flight of stairs and I was winded and yeah. I just knew I am not healthy and I have had quite enough of this. So that was my, I guess you'd say the beginning of me deciding to get healthy. Having said that, I have sampled and dabbled in things that are not always healthy. One of my best friends oh, yeah. is a registered dietitian, and she wasn't so fond of me going on the keto in the last few months. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I did well on that diet. Everybody does well on that diet at first. At and first. then it starts hitting you and you start getting a little sluggish and, you know, you have the little side effects. But yeah, um, yeah everybody, you starve your body of carbs. It's going to do well. You starve your body of anything. It's going to do well for a little right. while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we all did that diet too. <laughs> Is that right? Well, it took me a while to do it, but I actually was listening to a podcast by Caroline Leaf, who was discussing perimenopausal symptoms and how sometimes we need to kickstart our hormones in a different direction. And then the keto can actually help do that. And I have to say that just, you know, as long as I'm not religious about a diet or I'm not religious about creating a physical image, that sometimes it kickstarts a nutritional shift for me. So then I tell myself, you know what, maybe I shouldn't be eating Miss Vicky's every night. So it was right. for me. 
Oh, there's definitely a difference between a good carb and a bad carb. And, you know, eventually on the keto diet and, and or paleo diet or any of those other low carb diets, you do get to the point where they let you add back in the good complex carbs like farro and brown rice and that kind of stuff. And it, that does help you realize how when you go on those keto diets and crazy crap, it does make you realize how dependent you are on sugar or caffeine or white flour. So it does have some benefits as far as um making you realize when you go through that flu-like symptoms, when you're going through withdrawals of, of the carbs, that, wow, I really was eating too much, or I may have been that addicted. So, I mean, it does have some help and benefit, of course, making you realize, um, you know, how many of the bad carbs that we're eating. But um, for a long term, you know, you want to eat every food group, um, except for meat, <laughs> I'll say as a vegan. Um, so, you know, you just got to find what works for your body and for your family. And uh, just like, again, if you just feel your best, your skin is looking good, your hair is getting stronger, you, you know, like I said, you can go up and down the stairs about being winded, then you're, you're winning, you're doing good. Yeah, I know there was one time in the last few months that I got on a four hour hike with my husband, and I didn't have any carbs for the last few weeks. <laughs> there was no way I could go up that yeah. mountain. I had to yeah. stop and eat his consumption of chocolate or the, the chocolate that we had. <laughs> Just to make it. Up. That's but, awesome. But I have learned um, that what you feed yourself directly affects how you feel, how your brain is energized. And very much the same thing with, um, with exercise, that if anything, exercise isn't, again, about making sure that you look the slimmest and trimmest, although I'm not discounting the benefit to that, but it's less about an image thing and more about a, it actually adds a boost to your brain. It makes you feel good. So you got to keep moving. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it helps with aging and just so many other things too, um, besides just feeling better and looking better. There are so many benefits to exercising, keeping blood to your organs. And there's a whole, you know, books and books and books you can read about that. But yeah, keep moving is so important. Even if it's moderate, you know, little walking, this and that, it doesn't have to be anything extraneous. You know, I have bad knees, I've had spinal surgeries and I still get up and I, I move and I exercise every day. Count your steps, you know, there's little things you can do just to make yourself feel better. What kind of exercise do you like to do or what kind of um, classes do you lead? Oh, I love running. That's my passion, running. And that's why I have bad knees today because I've always loved running and I've races and um, competitions. And um, that's my passion. But that's limited now because I'm 50, about turned 51 years old in a few days. And I have bad knees and I've been through the ringer. But um, I teach uh, a chair aerobics and I teach a... Um, a kind of a CrossFit class aerobics at, at, at our church. And then I do um, videos for some of our church members and stuff for exercise classes and activities and stuff they can do for stretches or different. My passion is really working with senior citizens um, because in children, but um, I have a lot of kids in my class, but senior citizens, because so many of them stop moving because they're hurting and they got to learn to build it back up and get their core strength back. So they have their stability. Um, so they're not as dependent upon their walkers and stuff like that and keeping their core strength up and their basic mortality and to see a senior citizen come into my class who has to start out in a chair for everything and to go to the floor it's giving me goosebumps now it's just to me it's magical to see them that they think they're that late in the, in the game and they can't improve and then they start moving and it's just it's it's magic to see that transformation so that's really my passion yeah yeah yeah. And same thing with us. I think uh, sometimes it feels like that is a long way off, but I'm very similar in age to you, by the way. Happy birthday. I saw that on Instagram. Yay, 51. I'm 46 going on 47. And I, have, I, I had a car accident when I was way younger. So I've had all sorts of um, back issues or soreness or whatever I've dealt with since I was about 19. But mm. I now I think I'm experiencing the middle age. I think my body is getting creaky. <laughs> so it does, learning, yeah. Learning how to manage it that. does. You start saying like a glow stick. They say if you start cracking like a glow stick every time you move, but you don't light up, you know, there's the fun, no fun in that. But uh, yeah, you you do you start hearing everything crack as you move. It's funny, yeah, <laughs> yeah. or disturbing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> More wine, please. <laughs> So recently, I was following you while you were unwell as a result of COVID. 
and praying for you and chatting and trying to encourage you alongside, I think, many other people. But you had a really interesting experience with COVID and you weren't able to be, you know, with your son um, mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks at a time. Is that right? I, yeah, I had COVID for three weeks really badly, and I had to be completely isolated in my room away from my family. Um, the craziest thing, you know, COVID such a very strange thing. It'll affect one person, not the other, and it affects everybody completely differently. Um, I had it, my, and I've tested positive for the antibiotics. My husband and son did not get it, and they're in the same household. It's just the craziest thing. But I was isolated, which is a, is a depressing, very lonely thing anyway. Um, my son just, you know, it's hard for kids to understand, you know, why can't mom be with us? But then as I started getting better, I started having mom guilt. You know, my husband's have to do everything. And at that point, he's starting to let me know he's doing everything. And it starts, you know, you know that you could just imagine the, how much laundry there is after three weeks and, you know, what the house looks like. And I felt so much guilt. And it wasn't until after I got better, I'm like, why was I feeling guilty? I was sick. You know, I was very ill. I needed to recover. I needed to take the time for me and I needed to heal. You know, my entire life has been centered around this family, you know, and to give my husband credit, he did an amazing job. And I think as moms, we sometimes think, and that's my little quote, you know, the, we think the world will fall apart without us, um, but really it won't, you know, and it's in those critical moments that you realize that, and I had this piece, gosh, if I had died, which is a horrible thing to think. But if I had died, I, I had a picture that my son would be okay. My husband and son would, would, they would be okay. It wouldn't be the way I would do it. It wouldn't be the way I would want to do it, but you know, they would be okay. And so sometimes I think God gives us those moments so we can realize that our husbands are a little more capable than they may do every day or that we give them credit for or that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I had a lot of mom guilt for being sick. <clears throat> excuse me, which is, um, you know, crazy to think about when you're near death and you're sick, you're that sick. But yeah, and think every day moms struggle with guilt, whether it's they having to work or they have to go here or there or whatever. And as moms, we've got to release that. We're humans. We need time to ourselves. We need time to recover. We need time to refresh. We need self-care to rebuild ourselves. because they say you can't pour it empty vase you know you have to fill yourself up to be able to help your family and that was a really aha and I still got goosebumps now aha aha moment for me because um I was so ill and I still felt so guilty that I wasn't there to do laundry or this and this and that and so it was a it was a wake-up call for me to realize that I need to take care of myself and then my family and they'll be okay in the process if I don't Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I'm gathering that you may have experienced that mom guilt before this moment as well. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, <laughs> we all have a million times. Yeah, that really I was little. The first um, year and a half, two years of his life, I went to work. And I had him in daycare and that didn't work. He was staying sick the whole time. And then I put him in with a, a private nanny. And then we had a traumatic accident call Was she butt dialed us and we heard her being really mean to our son and then the whole time I'm working and it, I had so much guilt so believe me I get working mom guilt I get um, the guilt of just getting away for a few hours you know we always need that time away I tell moms get out at least once a week two to three hours I don't care if you have nothing to do but sit at the library and read you need to get out of the house let it implode around you. Whatever's going to happen, happen. Get out, take some time for you. If you can go for a walk, you can hang out with friends. What? Well, not during COVID, obviously. Whatever you're going to do, take some time for you. Even if you get out like I do and say, okay, now what? You know, because you always feel lonely then when you're alone because you're used to being around so many people all the time. So I always say you've got to get out at least once a week, take some time for you recharge your batteries so you can come back then and be a better mom and wife to your family. How do you do that when you have small kids? Because the demand is pretty intense. And like you said, especially when we're younger moms, we have a really hard time if we're married to let that go and let our partner take the responsibility or actually do it their way instead of our way. 
and it is so hard. It is so hard, but learn from my mistake. I always say when my teenage daughters were, I hated it that I overdid for them when they were little. I couldn't stand the way they made their beds, so I did it for them. You know, I, I didn't want this, so I did it all. I didn't want like the way my husband did it, so I, I did it all. And then it backfired when they were teenagers, they still expect me to do it all. So I have learned in, in my experience as a mom over decades now or whatever, over 30 years, that, um, you know, life will not fall apart if you step back a little bit. And if you have a husband, you need to rely on him more. It needs to be um, a team effort and you need to explain to him, um, I need a few moments away. I've got to get out. You know, you get away from your work. You come home. I realize you still have work here. I'm very happy. I'm very thankful for what you do. Um, but just like you get away from your work and your boss and your whatever, I need to get time away from my workplace and I need to be able to go out and do whatever, you know, and you just need to tell, tell them from a heart to heart, not when you're angry, not when you're about to explode and you're going to lose it, you know, but in a, in a time when all's quiet to say, look, I need this time to get away and recharge my batteries. Yeah. And you should be work together as a team um, to be doing what's best for your family. That's right. Yeah. I actually, I have this part of my book where I'm talking about uh, role distinctions because it's a very common thing to say that, well, one partner does one thing, one partner does the other thing, and then never the twain shall meet. But reality check is that you're both looking out for each other's needs. You know, my husband has always had a very full-time, more than full-time job as a an emergency physician right now doing anesthesia and the chief of staff of the hospital. He's been that guy that's always done probably too much as a physician, but um, he's always had more than a full-time job. So he obviously has self-care needs as well. He definitely doesn't instinctively do that. He's that Enneagram type one perfectionist with a two that loves to help everybody. So he's full on, full out almost all the time. So he has his needs too, but I have my needs as well. And uh, having homeschooled four kids, it's a lot. I say, and I'm sure many have said this, but it's like parenting on amphetamines and it's a lot. It's totally worth it. It's very um, gratifying, but it is a lot. So then you have to figure out how to balance both of your needs when there is this idea of, but the husband does this and the wife does this and then they can't meet each other or honor each other's needs you get into a lot of trouble and I think you I think we typically as um, wives often want to say well I'll take on certain nurturing type roles or I'll take on certain aspects of the household and really are not are not being I guess thoughtful that everyone needs to participate in everything and expect our husbands to be part of that and vice versa we have to honor them and their needs as well but there's like a balance there and it's not about roles it's just about how do we make this work so that everybody can have what they need Absolutely. Getting together as a team, working for the better good of your family and delegating too, as much as you can and date nights, if you can at all too, you know, that's so important as a couple, you know, um, we're, like I said, it's harder now with COVID everybody. I mean, my gosh, my husband and I are at each other's throat. My husband travels for a living. He's usually gone three to five days, almost every single week. He has been home seven days a week, 24 hours a day since I think March. So we're like, ah, um, so normally I can get away or when he comes home or, you know, whatever. And then, or we'll have a date night, but now we can't have a nanny come over. You know, we can't have anybody come over to watch the kids. We can't take them, you know, aunts, uncles, cousins, because, you know, we're all kind of in lockdown. Um, but it's still important, even if it's just going to grocery shopping, which, you know, is like now during COVID, like, wow, let me get some makeup on. I'm going to go, even though they can only see your eyes, you can't see your face. I'm going to get makeup on. This is my big day out. I'm going shopping, groceries, you know, <laughs> whatever it is that you can do, if it makes you feel better, um, do it right now. And if your husband needs to go to Home Depot for the 10th time this week to get away, let them go to Home Depot. You know, it's, you need those little moments away from each other um, just so that you can come back together more in peace. And it may be something stupid going to grocery shopping or, or Home Depot, but that's about all we can do right now. We just have to do our best 
Yeah, that's a pretty wild, pretty wild scenario because, you know, there was always that big question about what about homeschool socialization about the kids? And of course, most of us roll our eyes and think how how many days or years am I going to have to answer this question? But now with the with lockdown or with quarantine, which where we're at, we aren't in that serious uh, lockdown anymore. Um, but man, that question actually makes sense to me now. What about socialization? <laughs> I don't know, but I know for us parents as well, it's not just the kids, it's the parents. I've had three teenagers essentially in lockdown with me over a few months and it was a lot. Yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be very weird this fall. Normally we're involved in a co-op, we're involved in soccer and church activities and, you know, all these things where he does and I get a lot of socialization where we have play dates regularly every, every week. And I think now, and I was just talking, and I'm actually going to do a post later on my Instagram account um, because I've had a lot of moms that honestly are going through some depression. They're very, very low coming into quarant- out of quarantine and going right into homeschooling. They're overwhelmed. They're ready to sell their kids, you know, and it's, it's hard. And so I, I'm doing a thing later on just emotional health for homeschool moms because right now everybody's drained. I mean, we've been with our kids nonstop. Um, even parents that aren't used to homeschooling, you know, they're with, we're normally used to being with our kids seven days a week, 24 hours a day, but some moms aren't. And even though we are used to that, we're used to usually, like I said, getting co-ops and doing activities and field trips and, and we haven't been able to do all that. So this fall is going to look very different. And now more than ever, it's important for moms to take care of themselves, to do those couple hours away from the house, to recharge, do as many um, face virtual play dates. My son's been doing a lot of virtual play dates with kids online. Um, anything to buy them an hour or two at a time. You may see be seeing more um, iPad time while you're trying to get stuff done. At this point, I tell everybody you're in survival mode and your mental health is more important than ever. And if you really get to that point where you're really that low or you're or you're having that many um, problems you need to call someone and I tell me on my on Instagram you know call me message me whatever you get to that point where you're going to lose I have a daughter who um, is now going to be homeschooling her kids I have I have grandkids that are six and three and um, I love my daughter to death she's the best thing in the world but she's not the mom that is um naturally would be a stay-at-home mom or a homeschooling mom you know I I always say homeschooling isn't for everybody. It really isn't. Um, Right now with COVID, a lot of parents feel, you know, this is what's best, no matter whether I like it or not, you know, and it's a different scenario this fall. But um, she's having a hard time with her kids going crazy. And, and I tell moms, hold on, because once school starts back, you're going to get into a routine again. You're going to have structure. Right now this summer, we've all been in survival mode. We've, it's all new to us, what we've been doing. Everyone's overwhelmed and stressed. But this fall, when you get back into school routine, I think that'll be everybody's saving grace because that's going to be three, four hours of, you know, pure routine. And that's going to help you get structured again. And then you can do a structured playtime or you can do a virtual play date or you can do other things. But I really think if you just hang on right now and once school starts back, I think that's going to provide the structure that we all need, the routine that we all need to get us back into the mode of a normal, you know, life right now. I have two thoughts. I would really love to hear more ideas or strategies that you have for dealing with that kind of overwhelm, especially related to pandemic or, you know, serious stress type things. Strategies for this kind of level of stress or isolation or pandemic related family socializing, all of that stuff. What do you suggest? For this kind of stress right now, because like I said, it's an all-time high for everybody right now. Here's what I told my daughter the other day. She called me in tears because her three-year-old was going crazy. She had hid, hidden, snuck a bunch of chocolate syrup in her room and was, I mean, it was, it was like one of those days that, you know, we've all had and she's in tears. And I said, you know what? Don't worry about her discipline right now. Don't worry about that she's going crazy. That's the least of your worries. Right now, you need to get you under control. You need to calm down and take a break. You know, whatever's going on in the house, if they're not setting it on fire, it can all be fixed. It's all going to be okay. When moms get to that point where they're 
losing it and they've had enough. You just need to step out of the house. You need to take a deep breath. You need to, you know, do whatever. You're going to need to look up some scriptures. You're going to sing. You're going to put on some angry Alanis Morissette. I mean, whatever is going to get you out of the funk um, and make you back to being calm. And it's amazing how just taking those five, 10 minutes can reset you and then that will reset your kids. And then you need to give them a little bit of grace too, because this is unheard of times for them too. They're not used to being in captivity all the time. You know, they're, you got to think of how they see it. You know, they're going crazy too. They miss their friends. They miss their school. They miss their co-ops. They miss their whatever. They're seeing mom and dad 24 seven. I mean, they're losing their minds too. Um, so you have to show them the same grace that you're going to show yourself. Um, and, but the first thing I'm going to tell moms is take care of you. You know, get yourself under control, get calm, call a friend, call your mom and cry and vent to her. Call that one person you have that you know will talk you down off the ledge and talk you back into being normal and being sane and put some wisdom in you. Um, reach out. The homeschool community is so supportive. There are wonderful podcasts like yours. There's um, blogs, there's, you know, Facebook pages, Instagram pages, YouTube, everything you can. And, don't don't believe half of what you see on on, inst, on on social media because nobody has it all together. We've all had those moments where we break down crying and we thought, this is it. Why am I homeschooling? This is ridiculous. And, you know, we all have those moments we need to stop and start over. So nobody's perfect. Everyone's been there. Whatever crisis you're going through, I guarantee you, we have both been there and lost our minds over it. Absolutely. And one to I want to show you, this is crazy. I have this simple little, it's called the, the easy button. And what it's, I don't even hear it. And that it, was easy. That was easy. It comes from Staples <laughs> and it's silly. And this is just, it's a visualization that we use. Um, and it's just any time that my son and I have like, we're like, we're going to lose it. We've had enough. We'll stop and we walk over, push the button. And that, that shows the other person that, we need to stop and take a second and, and pause over because, you know, sometimes we think the kids should know it by now. We've told them 10 times they should get it, but they're just not getting it. There's not that they don't want to get it. They're just not getting it. And it's easy to get frustrated. So I say use a silly little imagery thing like that, you know, push a button and say, okay, we need to take a break. Let's take a couple minutes and then we're going to start all over. And it's amazing how something as simple as that really does help you gain your composure and realize, wow, I'm becoming psycho mom here. You know, I'm yelling at him for something that really, bless his heart, he shouldn't be yelled at for. You know, I'm going crazy. So just a little visualization like that really does go a long way. I think the reason why I got onto the self-care discussion myself was, and I'm still trying to put this together in my own history, was a moment of breakdown, just like you were saying. And it was about 10 years ago, I think it was three years into homeschooling. And it was about me not building boundaries for myself. And someone introduced me to Brene Brown. I listened to a couple YouTube videos on Brene Brown's, I think it was Braving the Wilderness, but pretty much everything she puts out there relates to a homeschool mom somehow. And it, it switched gears for me where I realized, listen, you want to know why you're so frustrated and you're so overwhelmed because your expectations of yourself are totally unrealistic and your expectations of the people around you is kind of low and you got to start expecting some stuff. So that, that switched everything for me. So yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And we are two of many homeschool moms that have been there, done that, where we have lost our minds or felt really over overwhelmed by, like you said, guilt or shame, or you feel in the uncomfortable feeling in that gap. And there are, especially this year, there are so many homeschool parents online that are ready to encourage you because we know that this is really challenging this year for everybody. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you have to let go of those expectations that you mentioned, because we all think it's going to be this perfect little routine thing. We're going to get up in the morning. The birds are going to be singing. We're going to do this, this, and that. That's not how it is. It's going to take a few months, if not more, to even get into a routine, to find what works best for you. 
and then give up the illusion that he has to do this, 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 and by this time, and you know what, you're going to wing it and you're going to be okay. And you're going to learn as you go. It took me a few years, several years to realize my son doesn't even need to complete the entire worksheet page. If he's mastered it, if he knows how to do it, he can skip on after a couple. You know, I just need to see. And there's things that you will give yourself permission for as you get more experienced. And ask that mom, the experienced mom, and say, this is okay. Do I need to do this? My daughter, bless her heart, she's like, okay, we're going to have a circle time. We're going to do this, 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 this. And now I'm like, yeah, sure you are. Yep, sure you are. And but <laughs> we can all dream. But you know what? Just long as honestly, as you're, if you're getting the main courses down, if, if they know how to read, if you're doing math, you're doing language arts, you are winning. I mean, I always tell her, and I told her this, so I'm going to feel good. There are mom and dads out there who choose to unschool. I actually have several friends who unschool and she didn't know anything about that. So I explained to her, I said, and you know what? They teach their kids by just living. You know, they're in the kitchen. They say measure, learn measuring by baking or whatever. They are out and they see ducks. They, 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 they count how many eggs, they count how many sticks, you know, it's just by nature. And you know what? I have a friend whose son has his own um, motor business. He repairs and rebuilds and remakes like long equipment motor he's a teenager and he was unschooled and he's already got his own little business and I said so they knew no worksheets they do no structure and those kids are thriving so I said you know what if you just do your best if you just you know teach the basics you really are winning there are no there are some kids that don't even go to preschool you know there are kids that you know have so many other issues I said so you're putting too much pressure on yourself you can only do your best. Everyone's in the same boat right now with, with the COVID and, and the restrictions and being isolated. You can't expect too much or you will go crazy. So just if you're getting just the basics done, you're winning. And the next thing is people want to spend too much, too many hours. They think you have to replicate the school day and do six hours. You don't need that. You really don't need that. As, you know, you're, you're doing there's so many different guidelines per age, you know, the, the preschool, I say no more than ever two hours for preschool, you know, and get out there, do it hands-on learning and, and that kind of stuff um, with scavenger hunts and games and, and fun activities, you know, so don't overexpect, don't um, overthink it. You know, if you're, you're learning, you're progressing every day, you're golden. Yeah, preschool. Don't get me started. That's that's really young. Uh, yeah. Natural learning, in my mind, um, has a huge impact on your child's education. And uh, some people would say that I'm definitely an unschooler. But if you look at my uh, course that I'm putting together now, I have a mini course, but I'm actually filming the entire Plato Homeschool 101 course. My focus of it is very uh, child-directed, um, child-focused. And yet I come from, you know, I had a Bachelor of Science in Nursing. I'm married to somebody that has postgraduate um, post-secondary school. So then I, I have an academic focus, I think through similar frameworks as maybe a school does. But instead of looking at subjects, I try to look more at learning opportunities and read a whole bunch of John Taylor Gatto and John Holt and Julie Bogart and let that just marinate in my brain so that I can stop thinking like a schooled person. Because what is an education anyways? I think we really have to explore what does that mean? If we are always looking for um, satisfying what everybody else is doing, we're not going to be honoring what our specific child in front of us might need. And Absolutely. they're put on this earth for very specific reasons. And I'm not saying that what they do when they're six is necessarily what they're going to do when they're 66, but we should be nurturing the thing that is within them. Maybe, you know, giving them an education based on even what we think is important isn't a bad thing in itself. Um, in fact, it's not a bad thing. We can create as many learning opportunities for our child as we, we want to, but we don't have to look at learning opportunities through the eyes of what would a school do. Oh, absolutely. If you're trying to, you know, re reflect what a school does, you're learning, you're, you're, you're losing the whole benefits of homeschooling and its flexibility and being able to, like I said, adapt to your child's way of learning. You know, some kids um, learn better by text, you know, hands-on. Some do better by reading. Some do better by video. Some do. And you just have to find out what works for your 
child, the first three years of Grayson's preschool, kindergarten, first grade, and actually second grade too, I, I made his own curriculum. It was a lot child led. And I did a lot of unit studies. He was obsessed with dinosaurs. We would count his dinosaurs. We would measure his dinosaurs. We would do, you know, we learned about dinosaurs. We read about dinosaurs. Everything was adding, you know, all unit-based um, learning. And it's so much more fun for little ones that way. And guess what? They're learning. They're learning. And it's so much more fun um, that way. So, yeah, there. I think there's a time and place for work, workbooks and structure. We do a, a, a curriculum now. And um, as I mentioned, Grayson is gifted and he, he kind of goes at a faster pace. Um, and we're taking three online classes through our virtual school, um, uh, our state, and he's taking language arts, math, and Spanish. Um, and the rest is going to be all hands-on learning unit studies, history, science, and health. Um, so we're doing a mixture of it this year. Um, so it'll be, this is our first year doing that. We'll see how it goes. Um, but I have an end goal of eventually putting them in public school. So I wanted to kind of start weaning that way. Um, but not everybody. I know many people that homeschool their entire lives right into college. And I have a, a cousin or a niece that's done that. And she's very successful. She's a biochemist now. Um, and she was homeschooled her entire life right, right into college. She'll enrollment in the college. Everybody's path is different. Everybody's goals are different. And every child learns differently. And once you figure that out, you have mastered everything. Yeah, you were saying that um, your children are having more fun. Your child is having more fun when it's a little bit more child-directed. But I think when we are following our kids, we're also relieving ourselves of some self-torture because trying to force your kids to do stuff that they really, really don't like or it's just not natural for them is really difficult. But letting them follow their path and learning the way that they learn is not difficult. And it's kind of fun, actually. Yeah, especially the difference between boys and girls. Boys and girls learn differently. Boys tend to be more active and harder to sit down. So, you know, we'd say um, when he'd be really crazy and hyper and active, uh, Grayson, run to the front door 10 times back as fast as you can. And, you know, come back and, you know, we're going we're gonna to count all the dinosaurs. Line them up fast as you can. Let's count them and see how fast you can do it. You know, boys need that energy burst all the time. And they need that challenging. And they need to keep it fun. And, and little boy topics, you know, you know, when you're getting to science, you know, and aerodynamics with the middle mini race cars. And, you know, it just can be, there's so much possibility just with their toys alone. And then you go outside and it's a whole new world. But yeah, boys and girls learn differently. Every child learns differently. And it's important to meet that child's needs. So they love you and you instill that love of learning. You know, once you instill that love of learning early on, you, you've set them up for a lifetime of loving learning. You know, I loved what you were saying also about every child has a different path, because at one point when my oldest daughter said she wanted to go to high school, like a public high school, I was like, uh, but I'm a homeschool mom. <laughs> like, this is the wrong family. You cannot. <laughs> and it actually took her about a year to convince me because that's how headstrong I am. But also, that's also how headstrong she is. And she kept going with it. And I mean, I even had her write an essay as to why it would be better to stay home, or, you know, why it would be better to go to public school. But then later on, I realized it definitely was not that choice was not about my identity. It's so what I learned with my oldest daughter when she decided she wanted to go to public school um, in about grade nine, grade 10, was that the choice to public school felt like it was contrasting my choice to homeschool. And I identified that homeschool is such a wonderful option for our children, but I wasn't honoring or recognizing that my child had a different vision for her own life. And she wanted to experience life outside our home on her own terms. That was really hard for me to let go, but that, that was useful as all things. My experience with my firstborn is that I'm learning all sorts of things through that kiddo, all of them, but definitely the firstborn. And I could recognize that it wasn't about my identity as a homeschool mom. I had to honor my child. Oh, yes. Your first child is your guinea pig. That's where you make all your mistakes. And that's your learning curve right there. Um, yeah, that, I applaud you for that because so many people are set in wanting to do it their way instead of what's best for their children. And that's that's really commendable that you did that because like I said everybody 
has a different path. Every child has different goals in life. And once then that's the benefit and the beauty of homeschooling too, is you get to see that little person develop and grow. You get to see their personality, their interests, their loves, where are they going? You know, where do they want to go? How are they blooming? What are they naturally excelling at? And you can, you can help steer them towards that. You know, a lot of kids go into coding. A lot of boys go into, you know, different little things like that. Our girls may want to go. I have a friend who's as a daughter's amazing artist. And so they got her some private art lessons and now she's going to a, a high school that's centered around from homeschooling to a center uh, around um, art and drawing. And, you know, she's taken that gift and then she's, her mom's investing in it and letting her do what she's good at, what she's passionate. It's not homeschooling the mother invention, you know, envisioned, but um, it's following what she's, her gift is and what her passion is. And that's, I think is, a remarkable for, remarkable for any mom to do and that shows that you're a, a good mom you know and that you you're putting your child's interest above yours and that's hard as a mom to do sometimes you know but i commend you for that i'd say the the challenge is really recognizing that my identity as a homeschool mom is not is when i'm trying to honor that or when I'm trying to acknowledge that, it doesn't have to work in opposition to what my child is. I have to recognize that there's a separation there. Even some of my kids, they don't necessarily look at homeschooling the same way that I do. They've only ever been homeschooled, the younger three kids. Well, I guess the older one at home right now um, was home while well, she went to school in kindergarten, if that applies. But before that, they've never been to school. Uh, to school. So their idea of what school is versus what my idea of school is very different. But I have to honor my children and their experience or their vision for their life as well. And I want to take that one step further, not only with homeschooling, but your identity is not how your children turn out, period. I see so many parents who have instilled the best values, their best, gave them the best lives and, and their kids turn out to be not what they expected at all. Or when your child is having a temper tantrum, you know, or, or does something wrong, you can't take that personally. You've done your best as a mom, you've instilled your values. And at some point you turn them loose into the world to, and it's on their shoulders. And I, I see so many moms take that so personally and internalize it. What did I, you know, or they take it and they think, oh, I was a bad mom or I did. No, you did your best the best that you can. You instilled these wonderful goals and, and um, values into your child. But at some point you turn it over to them and to God and, and they set out and it's, it's what they, what they do with their own lives. And you can't take that personally, except when they're younger or older, because um, they are not you and God put in them their own um, personalities and their own will, you know, so not only in homeschooling, but in life in general, we can't, um, take it personal. You know, we can't see and reflect ourselves onto them because they are their own individual selves. That is a beautiful thing to add. And it is such a challenge to actually tangibly do as a mom, because when you're a mom and you've had that baby in your womb, or you've held them in your arms from a very young age, and you do everything, you have to do everything for them. And then you want to do everything for them. And then you're always doing things for them. And as a homeschool mom, you're doing a lot of things for them. Then getting the idea that they're actually going to leave. And that's the point of this thing. And they're, they're supposed to leave is a challenge. Oh yeah. Yes. It's heartbreaking. I've had three grow up and leave. And you think I invested my whole life in you. I sacrificed getting a job. I did, you know, sacrifice all these things. And you just leave me. What the heck? But that is the end goal. You know, you do raise them so they can go off and find their own lives and bloom and blossom, you know, and it's, it's bittersweet. It really is. You know, you've done a good job when they move out and they're successful, they have jobs, they get married or whatever, but it is bittersweet. But no matter how they turn out, your job's done. You're going to be there for their support system. You're going to be there to encourage them and to remind them. But the path they choose now is, is on them. And you just pray that, you know, they come back to the values that you instilled or, or whatever. Um, 
but it doesn't always turn out like that. I've been very, very lucky with my three, but I have friends that haven't been as lucky and you know, they were great parents, you know? And so you have to just separate that and just be there for your child and to reassure and remind them and, and know that they're, you know, you're always going to be there for them. But at some point you do have to just kind of let them go and explore the world and find themselves. And it's, it's hard for moms. It's very hard. Thank you for that encouragement. I think even just seeing your Instagram page and following you for a while, I can just, I feel the warmth and I feel um, the kindness or the encouraging that you have. Are you also a homeschool coach online? No, just a veteran homeschool mom and mama of, you know, like I said, I, I think I had the advantage of um, having three grown kids. So I went through it all. They were my guinea pigs, you know, like I said, and now I have a second child. And um, I think I maybe mentioned to you, I was in the end stages of interviews for this TV show that's coming up with a celebrity for a, as a parenting expert. And one of the things they were saying they were really impressed and glad I had was because I had raised children, probably like you, pre-electronics, you know, before internet, before all this and that, and then now post, you know, my son has a YouTube page. So it's two extremely different worlds I've raised my children in. One where it was safe to go outside and run around, and now one that is not really safe to go walking out by yourself, you know. So, um, you know, I just have a lot of experience, and I just try to encourage and, and share what works best for me, my best tips and ideas, because I've been there, I've done it, I know what works, what doesn't work, and I have, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to say, look, I failed at this, you know, I stink at this, you know, I have breakdowns, I do this and that, even though I'm experienced mom, you know, I'm real. And I just try to share um, with everybody and, and let them know um, it's hard being a mom. It's hard being a homeschool mom, but you've got to get your support. You've got to reach out for help and you got to keep taking care of yourself um, so that you can then take care of your family. What would you say is an unexpected challenge along the way in your homeschool um, journey? We've had lots. I mean, you, you, you homeschool more than a few days, you're gonna have unexpected challenges. But my husband um, had cancer last year and um, we really missed a lot of school. And I again had the guilt and my, I wasn't that stability for my son. Um, obviously my husband took priority right then, um, so which is why this year we're repeating the math and language arts online because I don't feel like though he finished, I don't think he had that hundred percent um, undivided attention and um, that he should have gotten with it. And that's the flexibility again of homeschooling. You can repeat one grade, you can um, skip ahead to, you know, subjects if you want, whatever, whatever pace your child's on. I have many homeschool friends that are, you know, fourth grade for this subject, fifth grade for this subject, sixth grade for this subject, but things will always happen. You'll always have challenges. That's life. You know, we have COVID, we had cancer, I had COVID, you know, we, you're going to always have things that pop up and you're going to always have things that think, oh, I just need to stop homeschooling. I need to quit. I can't do this, but you can, if you need to stop for a while, it's okay. If your child falls behind, it's okay. The world is not going to crumble around. You just pick up the pieces when you can and you move on. And that's, that's the best you can do. You're human. You're doing your best and that's okay. And you have to accept that it's okay. And it's a genuine learning curve when your entire family is dealing with something as large as dad has colon cancer and not just a learning curve, but also how do you deal with this emotionally? How do you engage this? Um, you know, honestly, what, what, what do your children learn from that process? And they're, they're watching, they're listening and it's life. Life is right there teaching you. Yep. And it's all about learning from those lessons too. I always say every lesson is learnable. There's going to be something you can teach your child, whether it's, um, like I said, now we're vegan because we learned my, my husband's colon cancer is not family related. They linked it back to processed meats and cheeses and foods. He was at food import order ate a, a large amount of um, processed meats and cheeses. So I, I became vegan, vegetarian and vegan. Um, and so that was a big life lesson for us. We learned, but every, every life, everything that happened along the way is teachable moments. And that's all you can do is to um, make the most, most of every situation think, 
what could I've done differently? You know, how can this be teachable? How can this apply to every day or crises my child may have in the future? You know, they're, they're watching how I react to it and that's how they're going to react in the future. So everything that happens along the way, remember little eyes are watching you and learning not only what's going on, but more importantly, how you react to it. Yeah. More is caught than taught, sadly. <laughs> Absolutely. My daughter is actually coming home on Saturday and she's, she has let me know that mom, I'm vegan now. So I have actually dabbled in that sort of thing before out of necessity for my health um, for a couple months and very quickly missed chicken. But my daughter is vegan. So we're going to be shifting gears and trying different food as well on for the next couple of weeks. Oh, how fun is that? It's so much fun. It's, it's a whole new thing. And I think I, I kind of think of it as a game, you know, learning we know, and what to do, what to make. And it's a whole new way of cooking. So we've, we've had a lot of fun with it. And, and honestly, I do not miss the meat. And I went, like I said, I was keto. I was caught low carb beforehand. And then when I started studying it more and more and more about the meat, and then when my husband got the colon cancer, it was like, you know, it was like a light bulb moment for me. So um, it's been easy, but we stare death in the face. So, you know, it's not as easy for some people, but you'll have so much fun learning. There's so many fun recipes now and so many alternatives in the stores, um, plant-based foods and things that taste like meat. And so compared to, you know, even a few years ago, it's so much easier now. Yeah, we have actually, there's a book that I've had in my cookbook closet called Oh She Glows, which has amazing food. But when once upon a time I thought all vegetarians or vegans were just eating salad, that is not uh, so. Oh, no, no. I'll tell you later. I have a, a, a little uh, page on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I'll share with you later um, that has basically documents what I eat. And mm. people are always surprised at the wide arrangement of foods and how beautiful beautiful it is and how many different ways you can eat and still get plenty of protein and that kind of stuff. And so I'll have to share that with you later for your daughter. Beautiful. What self-care strategy do you think is most important for long-term homeschool satisfaction? I'm going to tell you it starts the night before. It starts with getting a good night's sleep. Um, this is a mom trap we all fall into. We're stressed all day long. We, everything's around our family. And at night, it's, we think it's our time. I'm going to stay up and binge watch this. I'm going to watch this. You know, all these things. We have so much activities planned at night because we're alone. And that it was where we backfire. We stay up to 11, 12 o'clock at night. And then we wake up exhausted the next morning. And that starts our day. So I'm going to tell you, um, DVR your shows if you can. And um, watch them throughout the day if you can. Staying up late is going to set you up for failure the next morning. The best I ever feel is when I can get up feeling refreshed um, and like I get a good night's sleep. And then I'm able to get up in the morning, have my coffee before my family wakes up. I'm able to do my Bible study and set out my day and have my alone time in the morning. And I think that's one of the things I think moms need to get sleep is critical to brain function, organ repair, skin repair, you know, all the, all the amazing things for health as well, but it just makes you have more energy and you feel more refreshed if you can get sleep um, at night. Of course, so many people don't get that luxury. They have babies at home. They're still waking up and stuff like that. But if you can get sleep, that's critical um, to have that time alone in the morning. So you're not hitting the floor running panic because everybody's starving. You get to hurry up and get breakfast. If you can get up a little bit early, wake up on your own before everybody starts going crazy. That's amazing. And then, as I said earlier, just try to find at least two hours every week that you can get out of the house, away from the family, and just have some me time. And yeah. it doesn't have to be simple, but you've got to have some me time to unwind. Yeah. And someone actually earlier had said, maybe even if Starbucks is still closed and you don't have options to go to a cafe, you could just sit outside of a Starbucks with your own coffee or cappuccino and play some tunes over Spotify. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. There's many things you can do just to get away, just get out. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to all those new homeschoolers? Because there are a couple more this fall. As we said earlier, don't set your expectations too high. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be dysfunctional. It's going to take a while to set up a routine. 
um, and things will, will go bad. And you will have bad days that you cry and your kid cries, but don't give up. That's when you reach out to one of the veteran moms um, and ask for advice. That's when you, you reach for help and get support. Um, you Zoom a call a friend or, or whatever you can to regroup and then um, start again. You know, you use that restart button and start again the next day. And um, again, all you can do is do your best. You can't um, do any more than that. And you can't, you have to show yourself grace and you have to show your children grace. For some people, this is the first year they've ever homeschooled. They're used to going the way their teacher does it. They're used to going to school. This is all brand new for the kids too. So you just have to kind of um, show grace all around for everyone because there will be bad days. There, for, Even for veteran homeschool mamas, there's, there's bad days. So just hang in there, reach out for help and uh, don't be afraid to ask anyone because we've all been through it. I really appreciate you saying that because I do think um, that all of us want to say, hey, homeschooling is an amazing family education-based lifestyle, and it is. And yes. it really does have so many ways to create memories for your family and you know, create an education and I think create the best socialization for your child. But it definitely has those days. So thank you for sharing that, for being honest. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm, don't don't get me wrong. Homeschooling is the best thing in the world. Like I said, my husband travels for a living, so um, it's it's afforded us the opportunity to be able to pick up. We learn about where he's going, and then we go with him every chance we can. You know, you got that flexibility with homeschooling. If you're sick this week, take the week off. Do it the next week. You want to go on vacation? You know, whatever you want to do, homeschool year round. If you want to do four days a week, whatever you want. Homeschooling is amazing. The flexibility is amazing. The community is the most supportive community I've ever seen. All the moms, yeah, I put a meme up all the time that says that Will, Will, um, Will Farrell and the other guys like, oh, you homeschool too? Are we just becoming best friends? Because you do. You hear someone else homeschool is like, oh, you homeschool too? And it is such a unique and amazing community. Um, but yeah, you will have bad days. But you know what? The good days outweigh it and make it so much those aha moments like that child gets it it's magical and it makes it so much better and so much more worth it thank you i want to ask you three fun questions to wrap what is an identity that you have that is entirely outside your homeschool mom identity definitely fitness instructor um, that is my exercise. That's my endorphins. That's my helping others. I love to help people, as I mentioned earlier, to see the growth of a student come in who can barely do anything. And then in six weeks, they're like doing everything that everybody else is doing is magical. So definitely um, fitness um, and my vegan new lifestyle is definitely um, things I'm passionate about. And it's for me, you know, and it's helping others. So that's definitely how I definitely identify outside of homeschool. What are you normally doing on a Friday night? On a Friday night, um, I'm probably in my pajamas much earlier than I should be. <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite moment, honestly, my favorite moment of every night is, and this is, sounds so dumb, is after my son's gone to bed, my husband and I lay in bed, cuddle, and watch TV. It's just a simple of just sitting there and watching TV together to me is like how we de decompress the day. You know, we just sit there and watch TV and it's just, that's my special time every, every night. But you know, now it's COVID, we don't go out as, as much at all. So definitely just that time alone at night to catch up is to me magical. So what's your favorite on television right now? Oh my gosh. Well, as soon as This Is Us gets back, that's my favorite show. <laughs> I love watching This Is Us. I can't wait for all the new TV shows to come back. Um, you know, they're all in hiatus right now or whatever. But um, I, I actually like action shows. I watch a lot of action movies. Um, but um, yeah, This Is Us and um, I don't know. I like the makeover shows, you know, before and afters I'm really into. So probably that's it. What would you what say? You? Well, what, what do I like? Um, are you, if I tell you that I like watching The Bachelor, will you hold it against me? <laughs> <laughs> Mindless, guilty pleasure is for everybody. So <laughs> I continue to self-analyze why I'm fascinated by it. Because in reality, I would never tell anybody to date 25 people at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome.
What would you say is your favorite fun self-care strategy? Um, I would say, besides all the things I've mentioned before, putting makeup on and going out of the house. That's something, I mean, I have makeup on today because I'm doing the interview and stuff, but normally it's yoga pants, ponytail, no makeup. So anytime it makes me feel like, pretty. And it makes me feel like, you know, the old days I used to go to work and put makeup on. So anytime self-care is once in a while, put some makeup on, not only for you, but for your husband and, um, feel pretty in whatever that takes, feel pretty. If it's getting your hair done, your nails done, putting makeup on, whatever, whatever makes you feel something besides mom and looking like a mom 24 seven. I, I like that. We Like I said, with COVID, we're not going out to eat. We're not doing all these wonderful things. And like I said earlier, going to the grocery stores on my big day out and uh, putting makeup on for the t- two inches of my face that shows behind <laughs> my mask is magical to me. I'm like, I'm out by myself. I've got some eyeshadow on. I'm rocking it today. So probably that's, that's it. You know, moms, we get in a slump where it's ponytails, yoga pants, and there's days there, there'll be several days in a row. I don't ever go out of the house. So for me, just feeling, you know, my pretty feeling like, I don't know, dressed up is, is good for me. It's good for my soul. Well, I think if people head over to your Instagram page, homeschool fun with Linda, they're going to realize that with or without makeup, you're very pretty. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Old as dirt, but hanging in there. (laughs) But you don't look old, but I wish you a very happy 51st birthday. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. I would love to hear more about who you are. So come on over to my Facebook or Instagram page, Capturing the Charmed Life. My goal is to equip you with strategies to help you turn your challenges into your charms. If you want to learn more about my course, How to Homeschool 101, or my upcoming book, Homeschool Mama Self-Care, Thrive, Not Just Survive, head over to www.capturingthecharmedlife.com. You'll also find the show notes and links to everything you've heard in this episode. I hope you and your kids have a charmed week. And until next time, I hope you can turn your challenges into your charms.